1: will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today, it's my great pleasure to travel to southern Tuscany, to the Maremma, to meet Clara Gentili, CEO of Fatteria Le Pupille. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Clara. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me today here with you, Mark.
1: Oh, no, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And it will be a pleasure for us and our listeners to travel to Maremma, which is a very different world to other parts of Tuscany. Still, I think, undiscovered by many and completely unique. Can you describe this area and tell us what makes Maremma so special?
0: Yes. First of all, I would like to say that I'm a very, very big fan of Maremma. Uh, I grew up here uh, and uh, I, I consider myself very lucky for this because I think it's a really special place. As you were saying, it's an untouched place, very um, not unbuilded, and uh, there are still a lot of hidden gems to to discover. What I love uh, about Maremma is the fact that here we have many different uh, natural aspects. So there is a beautiful uh, coast, a beautiful sea but also a very wild uh, countryside and also the mountain. It's, of course, a very small mountain, but there is a very nice mountain. So you you really have everything just in one small, tiny, tiny place. And I think this is really, really beautiful. Okay,
1: so the Maremma, it's a Tuscan seaboard, the southern Tuscan seaboard, uh, looking out to Monte Argentario and, uh, as you say, this wild interior. It's also a very rich culturally, isn't it? The Etruscans were in this part of Tuscany, and that means that grapevines have probably been cultivated here for more than 2,000 years. But it's a relatively modern wine zone, isn't it? I mean, the development of Maremma as a wine zone is quite recent. And your mother, Elisabetta Gepetti, who founded the estate is considered one of the pioneers in the creation of the Maremma wine zone. So, tell us a bit about your mother's story and the story of Fattoria Le Pupille. Well, first of all, why is it called Le Pupille? <laughs>
0: that's that's a nice question. So, uh, the name comes from uh, this place that it's called uh, fa- that local people used to call Le Pupille. That is a property that my grandfather Freddie. Uh, inherited from his family in the 60s. And the local people used to call the place Le Pupille because there are two hills. On the top of each hill, there is one building. And so the hills seem like two eyes and the buildings like the pupils. And uh, the, the name came from this fact and because these two hills are basically in the middle of a valley from where there is a beautiful view on Monte Argentario, Isola del Giglio, it's a very fascinating and, and magical place. So that's where that's where the name comes from. My, my mother Elisabetta she, she she's considered really the founder because even if the winery was started by by my grandfather Freddy when there when there was my grandfather Fattorelle uh, Pupille was something very very small and uh, it wasn't like his main activity and business. It was more like a countryside property where he loved to come and uh, where he started making wine. But this was like a side side job and it was more like a hobby while my mother Elisabetta was the one that uh, who really decided to dedicate fully her life to the wine production.
1: And she was very young when she decided to do this.
0: She was. She was only 20 years old. So super, super young. And uh, especially if you think where where we are, so <laughs> Maremma that is considered like the the wild we- the yeah wild west of of Tuscany. Um, it was really uh, weird to see a twenty year old lady like walking in a in like in a place to buy a tractor or or, or do things like that. And uh, uh, I think yeah, it was she was really brave and really tough in uh, deciding to go through this this path. So she was not only a
1: pioneer in helping to create Maremma as a wine zone, she was also very much in the mid-80s then a pioneer of a woman working in wine.
0: Yes, a woman working in wine, a mom, because we are five uh, five siblings. I'm the oldest, but I have three sisters and uh, one brother as well. So she was Absolutely, a pioneer. Um, talking about Maremma, about wine, I think that the the, the thing that she really changed was that Maremma, uh, as you as you are say as you were saying before, it's a very young wine region. Especially if we think about other other zone of of Tuscany uh, that that have a much longer history, but but in Maremma there was a tradition of grape growing is very old, uh, and in fact as you were mentioning before the Etruscans, uh, we found recently I think ten years ago they found uh, in a in a village in a very ancient village close to where my mother lived, they found like a big uh, amphora where inside they found the DNA traces of wine. So this uh, was really important in uh, improving that the wine production was something that was in Maremma since thousands of years ago. When Fattorelle Pupilla started, um, Maremma was mostly known for Morellino di Scanzano that was, uh, and still is, uh, the most important appellation in Maremma, and it's uh, a very l- enjoyable and pleasant wine. But my mother, I think, she really was a p- pioneer because she had the ambition and the dream of making great wine from Maremma. So this was, I think, the first that the first thing that she really did that was quite uh, innovative.
1: Yes. Now I, I can remember going back well into the early 90s, Le Pupile Morellino di Scanzano was already available here in the UK. So she really was very successful very quickly in not only producing the wines, but in selling the wines. Um, I'm not sure when she would have first exported to the UK, but certainly I think by 1992 the wines were here
0: yes absolutely i think even even uh, even earlier uh, some some markets were started in the late 80s uh, i am sure that uk was one of our first market like the us as well and yes yeah, she was uh, she was really ambitious and uh, she was looking forward you know like looking uh, to the future so this was of course uh, absolutely important for uh, for her success and for the success of Fattorelle Pupille. And yeah, uh, I think it was something uh, great.
1: That is incredible that, first of all, she was producing wine in an area at that time nobody would have heard of, or very few people would have heard of, and then also managing to sell it internationally. Now, let's first of all talk about Morellino. Morellino is another variation of Sangiovese, which we know from other Tuscan areas, Chianti Classico, Brunello or Prugnino Gentile from Montepulciano. Tell us about Morellino, what is special about it and what type of wine does it produce?
0: So I think that the, the, the main reason why the Morellino is so special is, of course, the place where we are. So Maremma is this as we were saying before this magical land where you have the the sea the, the sea is the most uh, influencing factor on on the on the grapes and uh, but also the fact that maremma is on the coast but the altitude in maremma is quite important because we uh, for example our vineyards they all have an altitude that is about 200 meters above the sea level so we are talking about uh, being on the coast but at the same time having uh, an altitude means having a lot of freshness a lot of um, uh, aromaticity as well on the on the grapes so this is uh, is very important uh, talking about the morellino in general um, i think the morellino is one of the um, only appellation in Tuscany that is a Sangiovese-based appellation where the Sangiovese express itself in a very different way, in a, in a way that it's more pleasant, more uh, enjoyable, more approachable uh, and in fact for example the Morellino doesn't require any, any aging so this is uh, is something very important to give people an idea of what to expect when they drink uh, Morellino di Scanzano. And uh, something uh, that I really like about uh, the Morellino is that uh, we, we, you often find this note of cherry that is very typical in, uh, in, uh, in the Sanzovese here, uh, but at the same time, a lot of freshness, a lot of crunchiness. Uh, and uh, and this is, I think, what, uh, what makes the Morellino unique and different. Yes, it's a beautiful wine,
1: a wine that one can really enjoy, enjoy with food, which we'll talk a bit about a little later. I think what's exciting about uh, Maremma is that there are native grape varieties like Morellino, but it's also an area of innovation and even experimentation. And Le Pupile has been at the forefront of this. So let's talk about a few of your other wines. For example, Safredi, which is, I know, a flagship wine that has been produced on your estate for a number of decades.
0: Yes, Safredi is for sure our most important wine, not only because it's uh, our Flagship wine, but first of all, because I think it's uh, uh, the the first wine and the first project that my mother Elisabetta uh, made by by herself when my grandfather Freddy was was not here anymore, and uh, and Safredi was really an intuition. Uh, um, I think we can really call it like this because it's uh, it's uh, a wine that comes from uh, this single vineyard, that it's a vineyard that my mother wanted and where she decided to plant only international varietals. So mostly Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. And then um, the third varietal has changed a little bit in the year, but now today we have uh, Petit Verdot as a third complementary varietal. And Safredi was an intuition, not just because these grapes grow really, really well in, uh, in Maremma, but also because it's, it's really the wine that uh, had uh, an unbelievable success since the first vintages, and uh, uh, it made Fattoriere Pupille well-known uh, uh, not only in Italy, but especially outside outside Italy, and we can say in, in the whole world.
1: Yes, it was uh, one of the early so-called super Tuscans, that really was astonishing and uh, brought, as you say, the attention of the world to to Tufattoria Le Pupile. Italian
0: Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you
1: get your pods. Let's talk about a couple of other wines that I know you're very proud of. Um, I was just reading in this month's decanter about Piemme, produced from 100% Petit Mansang, a grape I know from, from French Gascony. I've never heard of this cultivated in Tuscany. So tell us a little bit about this wine.
0: So, Piemme, it's a probably the wine that uh, in the last year is giving us more satisfaction in terms of like feedback and uh, and excitement when when people uh, try it and when people taste it it's uh, it's a wine that came from uh, our dream of having great white wine in a land that it's uh, mostly vocated to the production of great red wine and uh, after uh, you know after thinking about it after trying to find the the perfect varietal for for this dream that we had we found ourselves working with this varietal Petit Manson that we uh, we grow since more than 20 years we were using it only as a complementary varietal on uh, Poggio Argentato that is our like fresh uh, fresh white wine and after some years that we were experimenting with uh, with it for the Poggio Argentato we really understood the potential of this uh, of this varietal and we decided to start uh, doing some uh, separate fermentation in order to see if we could produce a 100% Petit Manseng, And that's how the project started. The first vintage released was 2014. Today, the wine is quite different from the first couple of vintages. And my brother Ettore, uh, who is since uh, 2019, the winemaker and the vineyard manager and in charge of the whole production, is really dedicating himself to this project at Like in... With, with a lot of excitement and I think that today the wine is really really uh, surprising and really it really emotion people when they try it. describe the style of the wine I haven't tasted it first of all I would say that it's sharp because the acidity it's really really beautiful but at the same time it's uh, warm warm not warm but um, uh, full it's full rich and complex it's uh it's very diff- difficult to to experience. Explain the the PM to someone who hasn't tasted. It's probably the most difficult wine that we produce uh, uh, to to explain. But but I would uh, I would use this yeah these words to describe it.
1: Okay, well I look forward to tasting that. Now can we also talk about the Le Pupille Syrah? which is, I know Syrah is a variety that grows very well in southern Tuscany, and I know it's an important variety for you as well.
0: Exactly, Syrah. It's, it's an important va- variety for us because we've been using it for many years. It's also been part of Safredi blend for almost 10 years uh, so it's a grape that we know very well and um, my mother Elisabetta she had this this idea of producing 100% Syrah for four years and then finally after um, a lot of uh, research we selected two parcels where we where we have Syrah and uh, we decided to produce a wine from these two different patches of vineyard. they are two very small uh, small parcels we're talking about less than two hectares in total and so that's how the The idea came when we decided to make Sirah one hundred percent. We were really uh, trying to figure out what was the best, which was like the best way to. to give more importance to the varietal, so to the to the characteristics of the varietal. And so we decided to do something a little bit different from what is our tradition. Because usually at Fattore Le Pupille we are very classic in terms of, uh, of winemaking. And so on, uh, on on Le Pupille and on PM as well, we allowed ourselves to be a little bit more creative and uh, and like also playful in, in a way. And so um Le Pupille is a wine that is made in two different uh, containers. The grapes coming from one grape from one vineyard are fermented in uh, open tonneau and the grapes coming from the other are fermented in uh, terracotta jars, uh, Orci, that we, we buy in uh, Panzano. And so it's something very, very special, very different. Uh, it's uh, the only wine that we produce where there is spontaneous fermentation and... Uh, it's a wine that we really love making. The orchi.
1: What size would those be?
0: They are 500 liters, and as well as the Tonneau. So the they have the, the two containers have the same uh, sizing.
1: Would those be the same orchi that would have been used for olive oil, for example?
0: Exactly, they are pretty much the same. I mean, the shape is the same, but the one for the olive oil, they had like something that uh, was protected. Because the the terracotta is very porous, and so it's it really absorbs a lot of liquid. And so, when they were using the Orchi for the olive oil, they were putting inside like a small layer of something to avoid the Orchi to absorb all the olive oil. While of course the one that we use for the wine are poor clay, poor terracotta.
1: Okay, and how does the wines that result differ if you were tasting, say, the Syrah from the Tono and the Syrah from the Orcho.
0: So the Sira from the Orcho is really, I think, the pure expression of the vineyard. There is no influence of of anything, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's the pure expression of, yeah, of what the grape juice would be without any, like, human uh, touch, let's say. Well, of course, the, the one that we uh, ferment in the tonneau, even if we use uh, mm, tonneau that are not new, so the, the toasting is very light, but of course, uh, it's more like, uh, gentle, a little bit more uh, fine in a way. Okay, that's really interesting.
1: And afterwards then they, the two wines are assembled together.
0: Exactly. We assemble the two wines and then we put them back in uh, in a little bit of oak for like one year approximately, uh, because we need to, um, to protect, you know, the, the wine, because the Orto, as I was saying, is very porous, and, uh, and so the risk is that uh, there is too much oxygenation. So that's why we need a little bit of oak as well in the, in the aging.
1: You produce a, a really fascinating range of wines, from the whites, uh, of course, and the traditional Morellino di Scansano to uh, the, the Safredi the, and the uh, Le Pupile Sirate. Wines that I think really pair beautifully with food. So I'd like to turn now to the gastronomy of La Maremma, uh, and perhaps some of the local foods that would you would say I really love drinking these wines with some of these dishes.
0: Okay, so Maremma is uh, is quite uh, um, is quite. I think, surprising in terms of uh, of food because most of the people, when they think about Maremma, I think that they imagine wild boar and uh basically wild boar and wild boar again oh, while, right. while uh, in Maremma we, we have to remember that we are on the coast so there is first of all a beautiful offer of fresh uh, fish and uh, and seafood and uh, some like local fishes with, which are not so so common uh, uh, in in other part of uh, of, of Italy, for example, or not so popular. Um, and then, of course, there is uh, uh, wild boar. Of course, it's it's uh, very very popular here. Um, but for example, one of my favorite dishes is uh, a soup called acqua cotta. Um, that is basically a, a very old and uh, yeah, a very old dish that was cooked in. Um, in uh, like in families it's a it's, it's a poor dish because it's made with just a couple of ingredients but it's basically a vegetable soup where inside you cook an egg so it's really really lovely I know that maybe it doesn't seem like it, but it's really tasty and really I love it. It's like a comfort comfort food. <laughs> what wine would you drink with that? With aquacotta I will drink uh, Morellino di Scanzano Riserva.
1: Okay, with the cinghiale, the wild boar.
0: With cinghiale, I will drink Saffredi. Yes, absolutely. Safredi.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that would be a wonderful pair.
0: And le pupille, I will drink it without any food in front of the fire. In
1: front of the fire, maybe with a nugget of aged pecorino.
0: Exactly. With an aged pecorino, that would be like a dream. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now, um...
1: Let's turn to hospitality at Le Pupile. Can our listeners come and discover this wonderful and special place?
0: They can, absolutely. We are open uh, for for visitors for the whole year. And also we have some news because we are now in the the middle of building a new building. So we are now building a a new place where we will move the offices and uh, we will have a uh, big uh, not a big but like a, a more yeah a more a more wide wi- uh, wine shop uh, um, with uh, the possibility of tasting wines even without reservation because right now we are open only on on reservation the idea is also of making for for rooms for, for our guests or, or for people who want to experience to stay uh, in the middle of the vineyard.
1: Is this the main villa that is pictured on the label?
0: Exactly. That's, that's the place where there will be these four special rooms in, uh, I think, next, uh, next uh, spring or next summer. And the winery is below that, is that right? Exactly. Below that, we have the cellar where we have the barrique cellar Basically, there is only Saffredi right now there, because Poggio Valente and uh, Le Pupille and the Reserva they are in uh, in another in another building where we have Tornò and uh, and Botti grandi. So right now in the main villa we have uh, at the first. First floor, the offices, and at the ground ground level, we have a small wine shop and the barrique cellar.
1: Okay. Well, what a wonderful place!
0: People will will, will sleep in uh, with uh, with Safredi resting below them.
1: How wonderful! And maybe if they're not sleeping very well, they might wander down into the cellar.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> well, well, Clara, it's been a real pleasure meeting you and chatting with you this morning. You've taken us into another wine world. Marema is very different from the rest of Tuscany. It's very special. I love visiting. I remember visiting and going into the hot springs of Saturnia, just emerging in, in the middle of a field. It's an ancient land, but exciting new things are happening with wines, and Fattoria Le Pupille has been very much part of that story. So I hope our listeners will both find your wines, which are available widely around the world i think i as i say i've been enjoying them in the uk for many many years and i hope some of them will come and visit you and maybe find their way into one of those lovely bedrooms that you've described. So thanks so much for sharing your story. It's been really great talking to you.
0: Thank you, Mark. It was a big pleasure and uh, I I welcome you here whenever you want and I look forward to welcome your listeners as well.
1: Well, thank you. I'll, I'll very much hope to visit you sometime. So grazie e buona giornata.